Chapter 56 of History of the Norwegian People, Volume 1 by Knut Gershet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 56 The Period of Civil Wars Magnus the Blind, Harald Gille, and Sigurd Slembed Jakin. King Sigurd the Crusader had his faults, but he was an able ruler, and he was loved and respected by his subjects. His expeditions abroad had won him honor and distinction. At home he continued with ability and upright purpose the policy of peaceful development inaugurated by Oystein, which made the reign of the sons of Magnus Barefoot one of the most benign and prosperous in the early centuries of Norwegian history. The darkness of the long period of civil strife, bloodshed, and confusion which followed upon the death of Sigurd becomes still deeper when we view it against the background of the prosperous and peaceful era which preceded it. Instead of great national kings, the period of civil wars ushers past with kaleidoscopic rapidity arrogant and incompetent heirs to the throne, contemptible pretenders, daring fortune-seekers, and worthless puppet kings who hold the throne for a day to be swept from the political chessboard by plots and assassinations. Progress is retarded, and the energies of the nation wasted by the endless strife between rival candidates for the throne. The old writers look upon the period as if the wrath of heaven had suddenly fallen upon the country. Saxo Grammaticus compares the coming of Harald Gila to Norway with a destructive thunderstorm which suddenly swept over the country, and the Morkinskina lets King Sigurd prophesy that evil days would come after his death. Unfortunate are you, Norsemen, that you have an insane king to rule over you, but the time will come when you would give red gold to have me for a king rather than Harald Gila or Magnus, the one cruel, the other foolish. But we need not explain the evils of this period, either as the wrath of an offended deity, or as a result of the wickedness or incompetence of a single man. The civil wars were only a revival of old evils in an aggravated form, and they were due in the main to the same causes which had produced civil wars in earlier days. The circumstance that there was no regulated succession to the throne, but that all the sons of the king or kings had an equal claim to the kingship, whether they were born in lawful wedlock or not, was itself sufficient cause for civil strife, as it became possible for any bold adventurer to put forward a claim to the throne, based on the assertion that he was of royal blood. During this period, the various aspirants to the throne were weak and worthless men, children or ill-starred adventurers. In such hands royal power could become nothing but a name and a shadow. The aristocracy gained control, and willingly aided the worthless kings in weakening and destroying one another. The chieftains fought, indeed, under various standards with seeming zeal for the claims and rights of the candidates whose cause they espoused, but in reality they sought their own advantage and strengthened their own influence at the expense of the crown, which gradually lost its luster. The clergy, too, were eagerly reaching out for more prestige and power, and would gladly despoil the king of the authority and supervision which he had hitherto exercised in the church. This tendency became especially marked after the creation of the Norwegian archbishopric of Nidaros in 1152. In their efforts to despoil royalty of its power, we soon find the clergy firmly leagued with the aristocracy, and in time these two allied forces ruthlessly swept away the last vestige of real significance of the crown. With a young woman of a good family, Borghild of Dahl, King Sigurd had the illegitimate son Magnus, whom he caused to be proclaimed successor to the throne. 
King Eystein had only one child, a daughter, Maria, and as Magnus was Sigurd's only son, it was expected that he would become sole king without opposition. But two years before the death of Sigurd, a young man of Irish birth, Harald Gila, or Gilchrist, came to Norway, and claimed to be an illegitimate son of King Magnus Barefoot. Harald was tall and slender, with dark hair, and looked in all respects like an Irishman. He spoke the Norwegian language imperfectly, and never learned to speak it well. His whole career showed him to be a man of weak character and small ability. He asked King Sigurd to grant him permission to prove his royal extraction by ordeal, and after some deliberation Sigurd, strangely enough, granted this request, as he seems to have felt convinced that Harald was really his half-brother. Harald passed successfully through the ordeal of walking over red-hot plowshares, and Sigurd made him a member of his herd, and became quite attached to him, though he made him swear a solemn oath that he would never attempt to become king of Norway as long as Magnus lived. Magnus seems to have regarded Harald Gila as a rival, and felt intense hatred for him from the start. This was in itself natural enough, but Magnus's own vicious character aggravated the situation, and foreboded serious trouble. Though yet very young, he was avaricious, proud, quarrelsome, violent, and intemperate. This must have made it easy for the profligate but cheerful Harald Gilla to secure a large number of friends and followers. When Sigurd died, Magnus succeeded to the throne, but Harald, who was in Tunsberg at the time, assembled a thing there, and when it became apparent that he had as many adherents as Magnus, he was also proclaimed king in spite of the oath he had taken. Magnus was forced to give his consent, and the two became joint kings, each with his own herd. The first few years passed quietly, but it was evident from the start that peace could not long be maintained. In 1134, hostilities commenced. Magnus collected a large army, and Harald Gila crossed the Dover Mountains into Viken and Bohuslan, where he hoped to get support from his friend King Eric Amune of Denmark. But he was completely defeated by Magnus and fled to Denmark where he received the province of Holland as a fief from the Danish king. The short-sighted and arrogant Magnus would listen to no advice, and he took no precaution to guard his kingdom against attack. Harald Gilly gathered a new army and received substantial aid from King Eric Imune. He came to Norway the same year and quickly gained control of the southeastern districts where he had many friends. When he reached Bergen, Magnus was still busy trying to gather an army, but he had no force to put in the field against his rival. Harald took him prisoner, caused him to be maimed and blinded, and imprisoned him in a monastery at Niederholm, near Trondheim. He was afterwards known as Magnus the Blind. The vicious Harald Gila pursued with innate cruelty the adherents of Magnus, killed, maimed, and blinded many of them to get possession of the royal treasures. He seized Bishop Reinald of Stavanger and hanged him, because he could not pay the sum of twelve marks of gold which Harald Gilla demanded when the bishop could not reveal the place where King Magnus had hidden his treasures. To hang a bishop like a common thief was regarded as the vilest of crimes, but we hear of no bull of excommunication issued against Harald, though a provincial church council was assembled shortly afterwards. Harald Gilla had indeed become king, but during his short reign he was a tool in the hands of his followers. He spent his treasures with lavish hands, and let his men do as they pleased. This gave him a certain popularity among the leaders, who felt that he was weak and pliant enough to leave them in actual control. 
During his inglorious reign, the foundation was gradually laid for a rule of the aristocracy through their most powerful representatives, the Lendermaind. Very little is known of Harald Gille's reign. In 1135, the Wends appeared on the coast of Norway with a large fleet. They attacked the city of Konghella, but it is nowhere recorded that King Harald made an attempt to aid the city. The castle was besieged and taken, the church and king's residence were burned, the city was pillaged, and a large number of the inhabitants were carried into captivity. The prosperity of the town was destroyed, and it never regained its prestige. It became henceforth an ordinary trading place, as it probably had been before the days of Sigurd the Crusader. An event of some importance was the successful attempt of Kalle Kolsen, or Ragnvald Jarl, to get possession of the Orkneys. King Sigurd had granted Kalle one half of the Orkneys, and he gave him the name and title of Ragnvald Jarl, after Ragnvald Brusason, one of the most renowned of the Orkney Jarls. The grant seems to have been made for the purpose of uniting the islands more closely with Norway, since Jarl Paul, who ruled them at this time, sought to gain the friendship of the King of England, for the purpose no doubt of becoming able to throw off all allegiance to King Sigurd. When Magnus became king, he deprived Ragnvald both of his title and his possessions, but Harald Giller renewed the grant, and Ragnvald captured Jarl Paul, and made himself ruler over both the Shetland and Orkney groups. As he owed full allegiance to the king of Norway, the danger of a separation of these colonies from the mother country was averted. Harald Gille had not been king very long when a new pretender appeared and claimed the right to share the throne with him. This was Sigurd Slamberiakin, who had also claimed to be a son of Magnus Barefoot. His mother, Thora, daughter of Saxa of Vik, was married to the priest Adelbrecht, and it does not appear with what show of right he called himself the son of King Magnus. He had been considered the son of Adelbrecht, and had been brought up for the church, but he began a life of adventure, visited the Holy Land, and engaged in trading expeditions to Ireland, Scotland, and the Orkneys. In Denmark he proved his paternity by ordeal, as Harald Gille himself had done in Norway, but when he presented himself before the king in Bergen, and asked him to recognize him as his brother, Harald refused. The leading men also refused to believe the story, though they were probably not troubled so much by the doubt of his veracity as by the fear that this gifted and resolute man might be able to exercise authority over them if he were allowed to ascend the throne. Sigurd was imprisoned and placed on trial for killing Thorkel Fostra, the son of Sormerlide, in the Orkneys, and it seems that Harald sought to rid himself of the inconvenient rival by having him secretly carried away at night and drowned. But Sigurd, who suspected the design, pushed two of the guards into the sea, jumped from the boat, and escaped to the mountains. For some time nothing was heard of him, but on the night of the 13th of December, 1136, he gained access with a few followers to the house where Harald Gila was sleeping after a drinking feast, and killed him in his bed. From the deck of a vessel in the harbor, Sigurd addressed the people of Bergen, as soon as day dawned, and asked them to accept him as their king, but they refused. They gathered in large numbers on the shore and proclaimed him an outlaw. Sigurd then left Bergen and went to Hordaland in southwestern Norway, where he was well received by the people. But Harald Gilles' queen, Ingerid, hastened to Viken and assembled the Borgerthing, where her one-year-old son, Inge, was proclaimed king. In Trendelagen, the Urething assembled as soon as the people heard of Harald Gilles' death, and his illegitimate son Sigurd, three years of age, was placed on the throne. 
He was later known as Sigurd Mund. When Sigurd Slembediakn saw that he had no chance to gain the throne for himself, he resolved to take Magnus the Blind from the monastery and place him as a candidate. On a dark night, shortly after Christmas, in 1137, he landed at Niederholm, took Magnus from the monastery, and sailed southward along the coast to the mouth of the Romdalsfjord, where they parted. Magnus proceeded up the Romsdal Valley into Oplandene, where he spent the winter, and Sigurd set sail westward across the sea, hoping that he would be able to rally a strong party around the blind king. In this expectation he was not disappointed. The return of Magnus awakened once more the loyalty to the son of Sigurd the Crusader, and many of the chieftains joined him. But in Viken, Thjostov Olesson and other leaders, who were guarding King Inge, gathered an army, marched against King Magnus, and defeated him in a battle at Minne. Thjostov Olesson carried the child king, Inge, with him in the battle, and he was hurt so that he grew up to be a lame and crippled hunchback. In history, he is usually called Inge Krokrig, hunchback. Magnus fled to Jarl Karl Sunnesen in Vestergotland and persuaded him to espouse his cause. The Jarl invaded Norway, but Thjostov Olesen and Almund Gerdsen met him at Krokoskog and defeated him. Magnus now fled to Erik Emune of Denmark and employed all his power of persuasion to stir this tyrannical and ambitious king to lead his forces against the Norwegian chieftains. He told him that the country was now ruled by children, and that if he came with his whole army, no one would venture to raise a sword against him. King Eric found the moment favorable and the outlook tempting. He gathered a large fleet of 250 ships and sailed for Oslo, where Thjostov Olesen was stationed with a small garrison. Olesen retreated, bringing with him the shrine of St. Halvard. The St. Halvard church was destroyed by fire, and the city was sacked and burned. But the Lenderman soon met King Eric with large forces, and he was unable to make further progress. All his attempts were unsuccessful, and he lost a number of men. Finally, he returned to Denmark, deeply chagrined at his failure. The people's ill will against him had increased, and he was assassinated at the Ernehoverthing in Schleswig, shortly after his return. Eric Hawkinson, generally known as Eric Lam, was chosen his successor. Sigurd Slembediakn, who had been in the Orkneys, returned too late to aid Magnus in his campaigns. When he reached Norway and heard of Magnus's defeat, he turned southward to Denmark, where King Eric Lamb allowed him to gather ships and warriors. His operations henceforth can scarcely be characterized as anything but piratic expeditions, carried on with great cleverness and daring, but leading to no definite results. He attempted to get a footing at Konghella, but was driven away by Thjostov Olesen. In another attempt at Porter, in Viken, he was equally unsuccessful. With seven ships he then made a descent on Leicester in southern Norway, and killed the lenderman Benton Kolbinson, but the people soon drove him away, and he sailed northward to Bjarki, in Hologaland, where he was well received by Vidkun Jonsson, Magnus the Blind's foster father. In the spring of 1139, he again joined Magnus in Denmark, and the two gathered what forces they could find for a new attack on Norway. They had in all thirty ships, of which twelve were Norwegian, while eighteen were auxiliary Danish forces. The kings Inge and Sigurd sent twenty ships against them, and at Holmengra, near Bohuslen, the battle was fought on November 12, 1139. The Danes sailed away before the battle began, and Sigurd and Magnus were soon overpowered. Magnus fell, 
and Sigurd Slambediakin was captured and put to death in a most cruel manner. This terminated the first period of the civil wars, and the country enjoyed peace for a few years. The aristocracy, now secure in their power, had nothing to fear so long as the kings were young, but when they grew to manhood they might become more difficult to manage. Inge Krokrieg proved to be weak and tractable, but Sigurd Mund was a dissolute and violent youth. His first act when he became of age was to cause the assassination of Otter Berting, the leading man in Trindelagen. In order to further weaken the power and influence of the crown, the lenderman sought to create as many kings as possible. Six years after Sigurd and Inge had been placed on the throne, Oystein, an older brother of Harald Gula, came from Scotland with his mother, Beathach. Harald had told his men of this son, and no other evidence of his royal descent was demanded. He was speedily proclaimed king at the Urething in Trendelagen. Harald Gille had a fourth son, Magnus, who was reared by the old chieftain Kripping Orm of Stödle, and he was also proclaimed king, though he was a sickly cripple and did not live long. Norway had now four kings at the same time, and if this system of succession was to be followed, the kingdom might be blessed with four times four kings before another generation had passed. When we observe such a canker of weakness and decay eating at the very vitals of the state, we can understand the feelings of the old historian, Theodricus Monachus, when he cut short his Historiae de Antiquitate Regum Norwegiensium at the close of the reign of Sigurd the Crusader, and says that he will not record for posterity all the dastardly and lawless acts committed in the period which followed that reign. These struggles between rival candidates for the throne do not seem, however, to have disturbed the peace and contentment of the rank and file of the people. The armed conflicts were carried on by the kings, the pretenders, the greater chieftains, and their personal followers. That there was no general war can be seen from the small number of ships and men engaged even in the more serious encounters, as in the Battle of Homengraw, where Sigurd and Magnus had only twelve small vessels, and the united forces of King Inge Krokrieg and Sigurd Mund numbered only twenty ships. There is evidence that general prosperity and contentment prevailed, and that commerce was rapidly developing. The commercial towns of Vey in Romsdal, Skien, Skidan, in southern Norway, and Kaupang in Sogn sprang into existence, and the cities of Stavanger and Hamar also began their first real growth at this time. The Cistercian monastic order was introduced in Norway during this period, not from France, but from England. Two monasteries of this order were founded, the Lisa Monastery at Bergen, and the Hufedur Monastery at Oslo, Christiania. Also a cloister for nuns of the same order, the Nonaceter Cloister in Bergen. Lisa Monastery, which was founded by Bishop Sigurd of Bergen, July 10, 1146, was the first monastery of this order in Norway. The Havidur Monastery was founded May 18, 1147. The Nonaceter Cloister seems also to have been founded by Bishop Sigurd about the same time as the Lisa Monastery. End of chapter 56